Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Weirs Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis family situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at wvr.org. And now, without further delay, here's your host, Jim Wood. Let's begin looking in Hosea chapter 6, and uh, we're going to look through several chapters this morning, so I'm not going to read a, a long section at the beginning, but let me introduce it this way by pointing out that God is continuing to speak through the prophet Hosea about the fact that judgment is coming, Israel is going to be carried off into exile, uh, there are definite statements about that in in this warning Israel of what's to come. But the most intriguing thing that comes through to me in these passages is the fact that God is torn up about what he's doing. That it it wounds God, it grieves him to see these people whom he has loved behaving so unfaithfully that his wrath is being poured out against them. And God speaks through Hosea of this tension that on the one hand, he is going to do everything that he has said he is going to do. And on the other hand, there is a sadness. And most amazingly, in the midst of it, there are these little prophetic messianic glimmers that you'd never get from the context here, but only from the New Testament. Isaiah chapter 6. Come, let us return to the Lord. He has torn us to pieces, but he will heal us. He has injured us, but he will bind up our wounds. After two days, he will revive us. On the third day, he will restore us, that we may live in his presence. Let us acknowledge the Lord. Let us press on to acknowledge him. As surely as the sun rises, he will appear. He will come to us like the winter rains, like the spring rains that water the earth. What can I do with you, Ephraim? What can I do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears. Therefore, I cut you in pieces with my prophets. I killed you with the words of my mouth. My judgments flashed like lightning upon you. For I desire mercy, not sacrifice, an acknowledgement of God rather than burnt offerings. Like Adam, they have broken the covenant. They were unfaithful to me there. Gilead is a city of wicked men, stained with footprints of blood. As marauders lie in ambush for a man, so do bands of priests. They murder on the road to Shechem, committing shameful crimes. I've seen a horrible thing in the house of Israel. There Ephraim is given to prostitution, and Israel is defiled. Also for you, Judah, a harvest is appointed. 
whenever I would restore the fortunes of my people, whenever I would heal Israel, the sins of Ephraim are exposed and the crimes of Samaria revealed. They practice deceit. Thieves break into houses. Bandits rob in the streets. But they do not realize that I remember all their evil deeds. Their sins engulf them. They are always before me. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will restore us that we may live in his presence. In the context of Hosea, the people are saying, okay, God is judging us, but it won't last. Let's return to the Lord and everything's going to be all right. But in the context, the problem is that the people don't really return to the Lord. And so God is telling them that they are not repenting. They're not really repenting. They profess repentance, but they don't understand what God's looking for. They think by simply doing religious rituals, offering sacrifices, that that makes everything okay with God. God says, well, okay, well, they went to church. They, they offered a sacrifice. They, they did what I was looking No. God says that he is looking for Mercy, not sacrifice. And for people to really know him, the acknowledgement of God, rather than burnt offerings. It's not the rituals in the temple. It's not sacrifices that we offer. It's obedience to God. Sharing his heart, knowing him, being conformed to his likeness. Being a people who are merciful who are kind, who are compassionate. God looks for that. The religious people of Jesus' day, the professional religious leaders, were scorned by Jesus because they hated God and they hated their neighbor. But they were very religious. And Jesus saw through the hypocrisy and exposed the hypocrisy for what it was. Folks, let me tell you, God still sees our hearts today. He sees why we do what we do as well as what we do. And if our approach is to try to do what we've got to do to get God on our side because we want to manipulate God, but really we want to be God. We want to be in charge and our Religious involvement is simply a matter of trying to get God to do what we want, where we're in charge and he's doing our bidding. That's vain religion. God is looking for people who will recognize who he is and truly worship him. Do you understand he is worthy of worship? Do you love him? Do you really worship him? Are you amazed by the greatness of God? These people didn't get it. And yet, in the New Testament, suddenly this takes on fresh meaning. After two days he will revive us. On the third day he will restore us. Other translation, on the third day he will raise us up. The resurrection of Jesus is the ultimate fulfillment of God actually doing what the people here thought they could take for granted. 
And the amazing thing about God's salvation is that when we don't deserve it, and we don't understand it, God still does it. Jesus came, offered his life as a sacrifice, not for good people who were worthy, but for sinners, people like us who didn't deserve it, who didn't get it. And this verse, verse 2 of chapter 6, is one of the verses that is a foreshadowing of what's coming. Because ultimately, on the third day, he does raise us up in Christ. Verse 6, this is one that Jesus quoted. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. He told the Pharisees, go figure out what that means. Go, go see if you can figure that one out. You need to understand what God's looking for. Verse 7, like Adam, they've broken the covenant. The word for Adam is the, the word man. The first man, Adam. The reason we mess up is we're behaving like people. That's what's wrong with us. That's why it's not an isolated problem, a cultural problem, a gender issue. That's why it's not about which religion you're a part of. When we fail to do what God commands, we are behaving like humans. And that's why Paul tells the Corinthians, shame on you, you're behaving as if you were mere men. As if you were only human. Do you understand that in order to get into the kingdom, we have to be born again? The only way for us to be saved is for us to receive a new heart. We have to start all over. We can't just clean up our act. doesn't work. We need to be born again. We need to cry out to God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Change me. I don't want to just be forgiven. I want to be made new. Please, Lord, make me what you want me to be. Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood is listener-supported. You can make a difference in the lives of those who hear this message and the lives of children at Wears Valley Ranch. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. Please visit us online at wvr.org. That's wvr.org. Or send in a donation to Wears Valley Ranch at 100 One Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. That's Wears Valley Ranch at 101 Fine Place, Sevierville, Tennessee, 37862. To step out of my comfort zone Into the realm of the unknown where Jesus is Chapter 7, verse 13. Woe to them because they have strayed from me. Destruction to them because they have rebelled against me. I long to redeem them but they speak lies against me. They do not cry out to me from their hearts, but wail upon their beds. They gather together for grain and new wine, but turn away from me. I trained them and strengthened them, but they plot evil against me. They do not turn to the Most High. 
They are like a faulty bow. Their leaders will fall by the sword because of their insolent words. For this, they will be ridiculed in the land of Egypt. Do you hear that? Verse 13 is one of the most amazing. Because God is saying, I long to redeem these people. But these people refuse to come to me. They, they cry on their beds, but they're not crying out to me. They're just mourning about the fact they're not getting what they want. They're complaining because things aren't going their way. They're upset. But they're not repentant. They gather together for grain and new wine, but turn away from me. These are people who are religious, but they don't worship God. And God says, I trained them and strengthened them. Everything we have, we get from God. It all comes from Him. How in the world then? Can we turn against him? But we do. Like humans. Now, chapter 8. Put the trumpet to your lips. An eagle is over the house of the Lord because the people have broken my covenant and rebelled against my law. Israel cries out to me, O our God, we acknowledge you. But Israel has rejected what is good. An enemy will pursue him. They set up kings without my consent. They chose princes without my approval. With their silver and gold, they make idols for themselves to their own destruction. Throw out your calf idol, O Samaria. My anger burns against them. How long will they be incapable of purity? They are from Israel. This calf, a craftsman has made it. It is not God. It will be broken in pieces, that calf of Samaria. They sow the wind and reap the whirlwind. The stalk has no head. It will produce no flower. Were it to yield grain, foreigners would swallow it up. Israel is swallowed up. Now she is among the nations like a worthless thing. For they've gone up to Assyria like a wild donkey wandering alone. Ephraim has sold herself to lovers. Although they've sold themselves among the nations, I will now gather them together. They will begin to waste away under the oppression of the mighty king. Though Ephraim built many altars for sin offerings, these have become altars for sinning. I wrote for them the many things of my law, but they regarded them as something alien. They offer sacrifices given to me, and they eat the meat. But the Lord is not pleased with them. Now he will remember their wickedness and punish their sins. They will return to Egypt. Israel has forgotten his maker and built palaces. Judah has fortified many towns, but I will send fire upon their cities that will consume their fortresses. Again, God is describing a people who are extremely religious. Being religious does not impress God. 
Jesus, again, the story I referred to a moment ago, Jesus refers to two men who go up to the temple to pray. Both in the same place, but one of them arrogantly talking before God about how good he is. Not how good God is, how good he is. And the other, so ashamed of his own guilt that he wouldn't even look up, but instead just beat his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I said a moment ago, that's what we need to pray. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. And Jesus said, that's the one who went home justified. The other guy who did all the stuff that he thought he was supposed to do wasn't worshiping God. He was worshiping himself. He was trying to make himself righteous by his efforts. In this passage, again, God is speaking to his people, warning them this this message of sowing the wind and reaping the whirlwind. Please understand, God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, they will also reap. And when you reap, you don't get back just what you put in. You get back a lot more of what you put in. And when you sow the wind, what you get back, God says, is a whirlwind. You get back a lot more wind than you sowed. And these people had behaved very badly, very treacherously. They were involved in all manner of crime and dishonesty and paganism, and God says it's going to come sweeping back over them. They're going to be destroyed. We should not look at that in, and be gleeful. It is tragic. But folks, it should be instructive to us. We are living in the midst of a culture that continues to defy the Almighty God. Our tax dollars go to promote a form of government education that is blasphemous, absolutely filled with lies. If you think that government-run schools are not teaching religious views, you haven't been paying attention to the curriculum. Say, wait a minute, I know some wonderful Christian people who teach in those schools. I do too. And those who really are Christians view it as a mission field. But they are continually heartbroken about the fact that they've got textbooks that are filled with falsehoods. And one of the biggest lies they're being taught is that God is absolutely irrelevant to the discussion. If you think you can get an education and keep God out of the picture, what you've just been educated in is secular humanism. It is a worldview that says God's not part of this picture. Let me tell you, God's part of every picture. God's part of everything. You try and leave him out, you've just made a theological statement. And the theological statement you've made is a blasphemous lie. And that's the position that we as a country have taken because for the last two generations, we have allowed our schools and our government to be under the bondage of people who hate God. 
Now, many of them are religious, just like these folks. And God says, I don't really enjoy wiping you out, but let me tell you what I'm going to do if you keep this up. I'm going to wipe you out. You sow the wind, you're going to get the whirlwind. And I'm going to be like a moth to you, and you're not even going to realize where all the holes are coming from. But then I'm going to be like a lion to you, and I'm going to tear you limb from limb. And you're not going to have any strength. You're going to be destroyed. I don't know what's going to happen to the United States of America. I would really, really like for God to spare us. But I do know this. Whatever a man sows, that will he also reap. Whatever a people sow, they will also reap. Whatever a nation sows, it will also reap. And being religious is not going to save anybody. Well, if the country gets in trouble, what happens to us? Well, it depends on whether or not you go with the country or you go with Jesus. Are you in Christ? Do you find your identity and your purpose in Him? Or do you find it in the culture around you? Where's your heart? Do you really love the Lord with all your heart and soul and mind and strength? Or do you just try and go with the flow? And around here, it's better to behave like this. But when I get in this environment, I'm going to behave like this. Because really, I'm just going with the flow. The book of Hosea makes it very, very clear that God's judgment is real. And that people cannot presume upon the fact that because they have a relationship with God, everything's going to be fine. Hosea was heartbroken because of what was happening in his marriage. But let me tell you, it was no picnic for Gomer either. Gomer ended up as a slave. A slave. And that's what happens when people sin. Sin enslaves them. Addictions. Bondage of all sorts. And the marvelous message of Hosea is that God, after a time, said, go, buy her back. And God, seeing the plight of sinful humans, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, so that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Because God didn't send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but so that through him the world might be saved. We've said before, that doesn't mean everybody's going to go to heaven. It does mean that out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, God has redeemed a people as his very own. And God will accomplish and perfect that which he's begun. But you and I need to understand that you're either in or you're out. You're either saved or you're lost. There is no middle ground. And Israel, with all of its religion, rejected the Lord. And the Lord was not pleased with them. And again, verses 13 and 14, Now he will remember their wickedness and punish their sins. They'll return to Egypt, because Israel has forgotten his Maker and built palaces. Judah has fortified many towns, but I will send fire.
upon their cities that will consume their fortresses. I'm going to burn them down. Say, why would God do that? Because he's God. He's God. And it would not be godly for him to let people go on and on and on in sin without calling them to account. You know why? Because he told us, do this and you'll die. And God keeps his promises. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments that you want to make, I want to invite our listeners to call 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at wvr.org.